I'm Aaron Meyer, today's producer. This is 199 Shorts, a fast break style lesson in hardwood history. On this edition of 199 Shorts, the Chucker, 199's resident historian, takes us back five decades and details the origin of Midnight Madness, originally more motivational tactic than program branding exercise, more an impromptu fan gathering than any heralded celebration of the start of college basketball season. Midnight Madness owes its launch to an event that didn't even include basketball. We'll let the Chucker explain. On October 15, 1971, just three minutes after midnight, 21 University of Maryland basketball players lined the school's running track at Bird Stadium for a one-mile run. Coach Lefty Derzell, a charismatic soul some have compared to Circus Kingpin P.T. Barnum, held a stopwatch. He challenged his players to run a mile under six minutes, a not insignificant feat for long-limbed dudes accustomed to sprinting, not endurance running. Car headlights illuminated the quarter-mile-long oval track and, as word had circled around the campus about the midnight mile, a few hundred fans showed up. Con man or coach, to many, Lefty remains an enigma. I'm kind of a bug on drawing crowds. That's, a, you know, I think that's part of the coach's job. If I can draw crowds and make money, then I feel like uh, I was just trying to create some interest in basketball when I first came. You know, they said that coach is nuts, you know, but the next game we had a sellout. After making only one NCAA tournament appearance in the 45 years prior to Giselle's arrival in 1969, the Maryland program was charging into a bright future behind the likes of Tom McMillan and Len Elmore as the 1971-1972 season approached. Giselle actually concocted the Midnight Mile as a motivational tactic. By hosting the team's first official practice at three minutes past midnight, Drizel not only adhered to NCAA rules, but reminded his guys they were getting a jump start on the competition. If team members didn't finish the mile run under six minutes, Drizel said they'd have to repeat the challenge until hitting the mark. Eager to pass Drizel's test, Elmore recalls some upperclassmen taking advantage of the darkness and cutting across the grass at the top of the track's turn. After the run, members of the team simply left the track, a rather unceremonious end to an event that would forever alter the college basketball landscape. Drizel had the season's first basketball practice, as in one that actually included a basketball, scheduled for 3 p.m. that afternoon. Years later, Drizel would tell Sports Illustrated, I knew we were going to have a pretty good team. I told the players, look, we're going to start the first practice this year of anybody in the country and we're going to be playing the last game for the national championship. Our goal this year was to win the national championship. We didn't win it, but we won 27 and lost three, which ain't bad, is it? So, you know, maybe we won't be the used to hell in the East Coast, but uh, we're going to try to be that anyway. Coach, would you describe yourself as an austere coach? Pardon me? Would you describe yourself as austere? I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> You have to get down to some of that country talk. I don't know what. Oh, you know what that means. George probably knows. While the Terps didn't play for the national title in 1972, they did finish the year 27 and 5, setting a new program record for wins and energizing College Park. To that point, Maryland's Midnight Mile in October 1972 drew an even bigger crowd to the Bird Stadium track. The following year, though. Freshman Mo Howard urged Drizel to ditch the mile run in favor of a scrimmage inside Maryland's Cole Fieldhouse. Drizel agreed, 
yet reminded the players they weren't off the hook for their mile run. On October 15, 1973, more than 8,000 fans filled Cole Fieldhouse to watch the Terps' intra-squad scrimmage. Thereafter, the midnight practice on October 15th became a regular feature at Maryland. The modern-day Midnight Madness was born. Blue Bloods like Kentucky and Kansas followed suit with similar events celebrating the start of the college basketball season. By the 1980s, Midnight Madness-styled events emerged a fixture on basketball program calendars across the United States. Today, many college programs use Midnight Madness to spur energy for the upcoming season, as well as a recruiting pitch. There are corporate sponsorships and philanthropic tie-ins, live music and pyrotechnics, skits and dunk contests. Many are covered by local, if not national, media. I don't like to brag. See, that's why y'all don't think I can coach, but I'm bragging today, okay, because I don't like to talk about what I do and what I don't do. But don't ever say that I can't coach. I may not be a good speaker. I may not be intelligent as some of these other coaches. I may not throw you a whole lot of X's and O crap, but I can coach. Drizel, who had a flair for promotions, confesses he had no idea what his antic would spark. Of midnight madness, he would say, I've done a lot of crazy things to get attention, but that wasn't one of them. I was just trying to get an early jump on practice. I had no idea what it was going to lead to. Now ingrained in the college basketball lexicon, the phrase Midnight Madness has expanded deep into the nation's consciousness. Attached to Black Friday sales, online retail promotions, film festivals, and more. Drizel joked he should have gotten a trademark on Midnight Madness. For a guy named Lefty, that would have been the right move. For 19.9, I'm the Chucker. <laughs>